We ask it. Amen. I was talking to a man this, just this week, and it got me to thinking how serious it is that when you're preaching, that you stick to the Bible. And uh, a lot of the, uh, at least what I'm hearing, that a lot of the churches and a lot of situations that's, uh, where the gospel is supposed to be mentioned, that the gospel itself um, is not being read and not being preached like it ought to be. Uh, a, a gospel preacher is to preach the Bible. Uh, I know that a lot of people say, uh, for instance, I know one church that had a uh, sing fest, and they said uh, the preacher didn't even get to preach because it had such great singing and shouting and praising the Lord. That's not preaching. That's not gospel preaching. Now, songs... I love good songs, gospel songs. And songs, good gospel songs, contain the gospel. They contain a lot. A lot of the good gospel songs contain the Word of God. But folks, that's still not reading the Bible. That's still not preaching the Bible, although gospel songs are good to hear. And you got to remember something. Uh, the Bible makes it very plain in music is to touch our soul and our spirit, to calm our spirit, if I could put it that way, to get us ready for the preaching of the Word of God. And I believe that 100%. Music touches your emotions. If you don't believe it, read the story of David and Saul and how he played to soothe Saul when a bad spirit would come upon him. And so music is really important. But uh, what I want to do, and I want to uh, always, I want the Holy Spirit, as a pastor of this church, to lead me in preaching the Word of God. And let me show you how the devil works. When I'm studying and trying to get a message for the to preach, the old devil comes to me every time and has every time I've been preaching. Now they know that. Uh, they've read that scripture before. They know you should preach that scripture. Go find another. And uh, you, you look and you search and for something that be a blessing to God's people. And but I, I realized something the other day as a as a pastor and talking to some people this week as a pastor and studying the Word of God, asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. You really know and familiar with the scriptures more than the people that you're preaching to. And that's not saying making yourself something that you're not ain't what I'm talking about. I'm just, uh, that's a fact. And uh, the fact is that sometimes they would ever uh, tell you, well, now they already know that. Well, wait a minute. You might know it as a preacher. That does not mean the people you're preaching to know it. And so what I want to always do, if I can, is preach the Word of God as it is and leave it there. Now tonight, I want to bring just a simple message, if I could, and that is, how does God forgive sins? Now, 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 1. I want to begin to read in verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, 
but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For the written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, who will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Had not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of the God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But to them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Heavenly Father, would you bless tonight now the reading and studying of thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. Hudson came and preached for us some two years ago, and I was sitting talking to him. And I said, you go all over this country preaching. And he said, yep. I said, I want to go hunting in Colorado. And don't you know somebody out there, a preacher, that I could go stay with a day or two and go hunting up in the mountains, uh, deer hunting? He said, yeah, I do. He said, call this old preacher friend of mine in California. I said, I want to go to California. I want to go to Colorado. He said, just call the guy. And so I called it. Uh, the, he, he had the biggest independent church in Colorado. I didn't know it. Didn't even know his, know anything about him. And he, I talked with him a little while. I told him what Dr. Cutter told me to do. And so I called him, and he said, call my daddy in Colorado. And I called his old daddy, and he was up in age. And, and I never will forget, I went out there and stayed with him. He took me hunting up in the mountains. And then his four preacher's sons come with us. And I never will forget that uh, the fellow that was pastor in that great church out in California, he said, Pastor Strong, will you ride in my truck with me today? And we went up in the mountains and the snow was falling and way up in the mountains. And he said, would you mind just sitting here in the truck and just talking with me a little bit? And I said, no, sir. And he told me about his church having problems and where it was located. And he said, what would you do? And I said, well, to tell you the truth, I'd move the church from where it's at. It's in a bad location. He said, I don't know if my people will go with me. I said, yes, they will. If they love you, and they do, they wouldn't be there with you. And so he moved his church, and it grew out of the wall and still growing. Now, I only told you that to tell you this. I'm a little fella here in Florida, and i am just got a little church, and God blessed me all these years. Here's a great man of God that God using greatly, and he would come ask me something that would affect his whole church and his people. And ever since that happened, I said, who am I that I could influence somebody like that and influence uh, a man of God like that? God works through strange things to get his job done. And it ain't your wisdom it's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that makes a difference. And what I want to show you tonight, we're having all kinds of preachers, all kinds of churches today, according to some people I'm talking to, 
I haven't been around to visit many of them, but the thing I want to show you, they're preaching everything how to be saved or how to go to heaven. They don't say, they use the word saved even, but they talk about going to heaven. And they use every way in the world to go to heaven. But I want to show you something. Why is the crucifixion of Christ absolutely necessary for the salvation of our soul? Remember this, please. The cross of Calvary is not just a part of Christianity. It is Christianity. In the cross of Calvary, all human needs are met. All human questions are answered. Every reasonable thinking person knows in their hearts that this is not all there is to life. This is life. There is life after this life. What makes a difference is life to come. Is what a person does about the cross of Christ Jesus our Lord or Calvary down here. We know this life is not the good life. This has to do with something better. People have to be better. Uh, life itself has to be better. Something's wrong down here on this earth. In the Bible, our own conscience also tells us it's because of our wrongdoings or sin. Now the question is, what is sin? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. What is sin then? It's transgression of God's law. Sin is an affront against God. Therefore, God is the one who must forgive sin then. Uh, I was talking to a man here a while back, and I quoted him his verse. He said, I've done somebody wrong. I've sinned. No, he didn't put it that way. He said, I have sinned against somebody. I said, no, you haven't. He said, what do you mean now, preacher? I think I have. I said, no, you haven't. Because the Bible says, David said, I, against thee and thee only, O Lord, have I sinned. So what does that make? All our sin then is against God. Now I'll show you what I'm talking about. Sin is against God. What's so important about that is psychologists today are teaching people to forgive themselves. And people are believing they can forgive themselves. But you can't forgive yourself. Sin is against God, not yourself. Others are going around today confirming people. They're saying, you're okay, I'm okay, so everybody's okay. But you can't confirm someone of their sin. How could I say to two men who have poked one another in the eye, now I have confirmed you, you're both okay. That don't work. Therefore, sin is against God. We can't forgive ourselves. Someone else cannot forgive us. God must forgive us. Why? Because sin is against God. Now the question is, how does God forgive sin? In 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, and quickened by the Spirit. Now, there's four things about the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. Number one, it was a substitutionary sacrifice upon the cross. In 1 Peter chapter uh, 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Notice the word for in that word, in that verse. For Christ has for, suffered for our sins. 
The word for here means in place of or as a substitute. Christ actually took our place. He was a substitutionary Savior. Remember now, we're the ones who have offended God. We're the ones who are sinners from birth. We are sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by practice. And sin is a moral affront to Almighty God then. Now we're all sinners. God is holy. And God never will and God never has let one sin go unpunished. God must punish sin. Why? Because He's all holy. And yet we're sinners. We deserve punishment. At the same time, God loves us. Now that's the problem. How can a holy God love us who are sinners at the same time punish sin? The answer is a substitutionary sacrifice. Someone who takes that suffering, someone who takes the punishment on our behalf. Now that takes us, that takes someone who is righteous enough, holy enough, good enough to become our substitute. Someone who has known no sin, who can suffer in our stead. And the only one who can do that is Jesus, God's only begotten Son. Now the whole idea behind the Passover is a Passover lamb. That lamb's blood shed and placed on the door of the lentils and side posts. That lamb became those sinful Israelites' substitute for sin. Their death penalty for sin. Jesus is our Passover lamb, our substitute for sin. No blemish in him. God promised himself a lamb. And Jesus Christ, the, the just for the unjust, has been given, according to First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Now, here's God's lamb, and we can understand that. Now, I want to, I want to read you a story that tells it like it is. I say to people all the time, if you'll read the Scriptures, Scriptures interpret itself. Now go back to Matthew chapter 27. I'll read you a story. And it's, it's a true story now. Let's do it. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him, and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him, and took the reed, and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him, they took the rope from him, and put on his raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink, meal with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink, and so on. And then verse 35, and they crucified him and, and parted his garments there. Now notice how it starts off. Here was a, uh, if you would please, a name named Barnabas. Barabbas, he's an example of substitution. Barabbas was a prisoner when Jesus was to be crucified. Three things about Barabbas. He was a rebel, he was a thief, he was a murderer. 
Now because of all these things, this man is sentenced to death by crucifixion. But Pilate turned him loose. The people chose Barabbas and chose Christ to die in his stead. That middle cross was for Barabbas. But Jesus took his place. Now wait a minute. You say, well, I'm not a thief like Barnabas. But oh, yes, you are. If you haven't given your whole heart to Christ, it belongs to him. He made you. Amen. God has given us life, uh, clean air to breathe, a body of tabernacle in, and yet you haven't given your whole uh, self to Him. What does that make you? An unjust steward, and that's a thief. Well, you say, I'm not a murderer, but oh, yes, you are. The Bible said our sins nailed Jesus to the cross. You helped murder the very Son of God then. Well, you say, I'm not a rebel. Oh, yes, you are, because Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And if you've never made Him your law, your Lord, you've never bowed your knee to Him and received Him as Savior, then you, like Barabbas, are a thief, you're a murderer, and you're a rebel. And I tell people that today, not me, but wait a minute. You too can thank God that just died for the unjust. And you too can be saved today because of that. Now, why is God just and sin is punished? Why is God the justifier? Because we have a substitute. Now, I think God, mercy, and just are met together in the cross of Calvary. Not only was it a substitution sacrifice on the cross, but it was a suffering sacrifice. 1 Peter 3.18 let me say this to you. No man has ever suffered like the Lord Jesus. And the damned in hell can even begin to understand the sufferings of Jesus Christ. They're the only ones. If you don't have Jesus to suffer for you on the cross, then you must suffer the fires of hell of eternal life, eternal hell. Because sin causes suffering. And you will suffer for your sinless life here down here unless you've got a substitute. Either Christ suffers for us or we suffer. Now first Peter chapter three verse eighteen again. For Christ also has once suffered for sins. Now the word once means never again will just Jesus suffer for sins. That's eternal security. Now these people that believe you can get saved and looted, listen, if that were possible, and it's not but if it were possible, then they could never get saved again because Jesus suffered once. Jesus will never die for your sins again. And this word once means uh, paid in full. Our sin debt to God has been paid in full to God. Jesus did it all. The full demand of the law has been made. Now back to First Peter verse 18. He was sufficient. He was the sufficient sacrifice. Listen to this. For Christ also has suffered once for the sins, uh, for our sin, this just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. The only way you can get to God then is the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ as He brings you. I read of a little story. Dr. D. L. Moody was holding a great revival. The place was packed by thousands. There's a little boy sitting on the sidewalk just outside this great tabernacle where Moody was going to preach that night. And a little boy is crying. 
as Moody was approaching the front door and the building packed, he noticed this little boy sitting there crying. And he stopped and said, what's wrong, son? He said, they won't let me in. It's too crowded. And I want to hear Dr. Moody preach. He didn't recognize Mr. Moody. Mr. Moody said, You're, uh, you really want to hear Mr. Moody preach? He said, I'll tell you what. You take hold of my old long-coated tail. Don't turn loose. We're going in together. And as Dr. Moody entered with his little boy holding on his coat tail, the usher just smiled, and they both went in. That little story tells what Jesus did for us. Amen? I say this a lot. I'm just holding on to his coattail. Amen? And better yet, if Jesus hold on to you. That's what makes a difference. Isaiah 53, verse 10 and 11, God made his soul an offering for sin. Well, what sin? For the sins of the whole world. And God the Father is satisfied with the cross of Calvary. Now, I, I wanted to say all that to get to something. If you leave out the cross, if you leave out the preaching of the cross of Calvary, you have no salvation. You have nobody to go to. You have no substitute. You have no sacrifice. Then how in the world can anybody get saved then? I want to always present salvation. My one desire, and I hope it will always be as long as i got bread, my one desire is to see somebody else come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just somebody and one more. Old Dr. Harold Sider going home from church one day with his wife and He said, honey, we didn't have nobody saved today and nobody came forward today. But he said, you know what? We always get one. And I thought about that. Isn't that something? One of the greatest preachers in America, one of the biggest churches in America. And I thought, surely they have people say it all the time. But no. He said, once in a while, we get one. And that keeps him going. You know what he said after that? He said, but... If nobody came forward this morning, I'll be back tonight preaching the same old thing. That's the key to it. Amen. Just keep preaching the Word. And you haven't got to fight for it. It'll fight for itself. Just keep on preaching. Amen. And when somebody comes along and says, uh, we can have something else. Now, I, and, I, and I want to make this very plain. I love Ronnie Booth is saying, little Ronnie. And I want him to come and I want a great crowd. And I want him to sing. And by the way, he will sing songs that go along with the Bible or have the Bible scriptures in it. Amen. That's the reason you invite people to hear him sing because he gets your heart ready. But we will never have a service where there's not preaching. And you give an invitation for somebody to come and get saved. That's what it's about. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, bear on our heart always, Lord to preach the gospel to somebody might be listening the Holy Spirit might be dealing with somebody we have no idea we don't know what you're doing in people's heart so we've got to be very careful about that bless us we pray tonight and I pray that somebody will hear and accept you as Savior in Jesus' name we pray Amen thank you for being here tonight Thank you.